0: Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Well, good morning everyone. It's good to, good to see you here. My name's Barry and uh, it's just my privilege to be able to share uh, God's truth with you today on a really important topic, love. Um, it's probably true that there's been more songs written about love than any other topic. Uh, There's probably been more books and novels written about love, probably more on the romantic type of love for those Mills and Boone fans and all those others, um, than any other uh, topic. Uh, When it comes to songs, though, what is it? What's true about love? No, I'm all good, mate. Thanks. Um, Thanks anyway, Tom. Hey, um, so, you know, you've got the song like What's Love Got to Do With It? You know, we've Tina Turner, we've got that one, and then we've got All You Need Is Love, and I'm not going to. You know, Graham, you can write the songs and you can sing them. There's no way I'm going to sing them, because we'd empty the room pretty quickly if, we, if I did. But um here's the thing. I, there's, there's another song, "I want to know what love is." Yeah, some of or, or or the you know, the um, uh, Whitney Houston. Oh, "I will always love you, you know, bodyguard, I'm, I nearly no, I'm not going to sing it. Um, I just called to say I love you is another one and then there's love is a battlefield so what's the truth about love and today we're going to look at that and have you ever wondered what love really looks like what does it mean what's it what's it uh, what's it like to experience love what does it mean to love God and what does it mean to love people and that's where we're going to Go today. We're in the middle of a series, right smack bang, in the middle of a five week series on what does Jesus say about a bunch of stuff. And we looked uh, at week one in f- about forgiveness. And uh, the thing is, when we hear what Jesus says and then we apply it to our life, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, when you apply it to your life, it changes you and it can radically transform your mind, your heart, your soul, and even your actions when you apply what Jesus has to say. So when it comes to forgiveness, I want to do a quick recap of where we've been so far. On forgiveness, with forgiveness, this is the really important thing. Forgiving others from our heart shows that we have let God's forgiveness into our own heart. That's the key to forgiveness. And, uh, when, when, and and the same could be said about love as well. When we receive God's love into our hearts and into our lives, we are empowered, transformed to then be able to love God and love people through love. So, what does Jesus say about love? You know, I just want to give you a, a warning, those online and those of you who are in the room. Today is not a nice, feel-good, lovey-dovey message. Um, you do need to put your seatbelt on. Today, when we look at what Jesus actually says about love, and Jesus talks about hate as well, um, buckle in. Because when I first heard this stuff that I'm going to communicate to you today, it challenged me to the core of who I am. And my prayer for you today is that, you will, that God will speak to you, that God will do what he needs to do with you and maybe bring about some transformation in the way you think about love and the way you live your life. And so by the end of this message, here's, here's my goal for you, that you will uh, get to see God's love for you, that you will understand what it means to show love for Jesus and what it means to show love for others. And by the end of the message today, I want you to identify a life symbol that is your way of expressing love. I want, you, I, want, I, I want to invite you in to look at a story that Jesus told and see whether which one of these three life symbols you most relate to and that best describe you. And uh, so be ready. Here we go. Let's dive in. So Jesus often spoke about love. He spoke about eternal life. He spoke about heaven. He spoke about these things. um, And he he often spoke about them in the same sentence, in the same message. So, uh, for example, John 3.16. We're going to have a look, just a quick look at some of the passages in John before I get into the main part of the message. John 3.16, most famous verse in the world in the Bible. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life God love Jesus faith eternity heaven all in one verse there it is and that really is the heart of the Christian message that verse and Jesus because he loves us he tells the truth so that one of the reasons we're doing a series on what would Jesus say is because Jesus knows us best he loves us the most and anything that he says is true and therefore needs to be put into practice in our lives because he is, after all, he's Lord. He's God in the flesh. He's the one to listen to. If you want to have a CEO for your life, Jesus is it. If you want to have a boss for your life, Jesus is the one. And so we, that's why we listen to Jesus. So when, one of the things that Jesus talked about is he talked about heart trouble. Anyone here got heart trouble? Some literally, some might have heart trouble, but sometimes we get our hearts troubled. Here's what Jesus said. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it was not true, I would have told you, I'm going to my Father's house to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place that I am going. And then Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but through me. Week number two is about heaven, and here's what Jesus says about heaven. Heaven is a place, my Father's house, he says, that I am preparing for my followers. And Jesus said this on the night before he was crucified. He said, heaven is a place, and I'm preparing it for my followers. Jesus spoke about forgiveness, heaven, and love and because he loves us so question did you know that to love god is to love jesus to love god is to love jesus did you also know that to not love jesus is the same as not loving god Why do I say that? Let's have a look at what Jesus said. John 8, 42, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. John 15, 23, Jesus says, Whoever hates me hates my father as well see what we need to understand when it comes to this topic of love is that the opposite of love we know is hate and Jesus talked a lot about hate and by the way Jesus is not talking some hate speech here he well he is in some ways but he's just helping us recognize what does it mean to love God and to love God is to love Jesus Jesus often spoke of his love for his followers And one of the things that he said in John 3, 34, he said, look, I've got a new commandment for you and here's what it is. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you also ought to love one another. And by your love for people, everyone will know that you are truly one of my followers, one of my disciples. So we get this message about love. And then in John 15, 9, Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, So have I loved you. Now remain in my love. The thing about love and God's love for us is this God's love is to be received by us. God's love is a gift, He loves us anyway, whether we receive it or not. But for us to live life well, we need to accept God's love into our heart. And into our life we need to accept his love for us through Jesus so what does Jesus say about love well we've looked at some of the things but where we're going to spend our time today the rest of it is in Luke's gospel now Luke for those of you who aren't aware Luke was a non he's he's the only one of the four gospel writers Matthew Mark Luke and John that was not a Jew Luke was a Gentile he was he he, he wasn't part of the inner circle and Luke was a medical doctor. And I don't know about you, but when I saw my doctor the other day and to get a checkup, uh, I want my doctor to know what's going on. And, and, and Luke was a guy who knew what was going on and what he did, he carefully investigated all that had happened about Jesus and he records with accuracy what Jesus says about love. So let's have a look at what he says in Luke chapter 10. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? Cool, Jesus, Jesus asked a question, if someone asked him a question. Uh, good, good teaching strategy. The expert in the law answered, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus said. 10 out of 10, well done. Do this and you will live. Life will go well. Do this and you will live. So before we go on to the rest of this story, what Jesus is saying here and what this guy was saying is that we have to love God with every fibre of our being. That, that, and that love is, not a, love is not an emotion. Love is a commitment. Love is a genuine commitment of surrender for the good of the other. And that's what love is. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. Sometimes the feelings happen and come. But love is a commitment of genuine commitment for the, for the good of the other. And so with this story, to understand what does it mean to love God with our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength, Jesus actually explains that a little bit more in a few chapters over. And so we're going to go over to Luke chapter 14. And when we get there, here's what we find. Jesus is at some guy's house. He's having a party at someone's, you know, they're having a party together. There's this big feast. And Jesus tells a story, and this is a story called the Great Banquet. And what Jesus is saying is that God invites everyone into his kingdom. God throws this party, and God's inviting everyone into this kingdom. But people make excuses. The first guy makes an excuse to do with his wealth. The second guy makes an excuse, he's got too much work to do. And the third guy makes an excuse of his wife. He just got married. And, and now there's nothing wrong with wealth and work and a wife. But here's what happens in this story. They make excuses to deny being a part of God's kingdom. And Jesus helps people see that no excuse is worth denying being part of God's kingdom. No excuse is worth it. And so what happens next is uh, because Jesus was at this party and people enjoyed being with Jesus, large crowds hung out with Jesus. Because, I mean, Jesus, lots of stuff happens when you're hanging out with Jesus. And then Jesus actually recognised that people were in for the ride for all the benefits, but they didn't count the cost. So Jesus tells, tells some really challenging things. Here's where you need to fasten your seatbelts. You ready? Here we go. He says this that's so challenging, so I'm just going to break it up in bite-sized bits. Luke 14, 26, he says this, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters... Yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Have you heard that before? This is one of the the least preached on passages in the scriptures, I think. Why would Jesus say this? Well, there are four things I want to bring out of this passage. First one is this, real followers of Jesus love him first. Real followers love him first. I mean, Jesus, he is the one who gave his life on a cross for you and for me. He is the one who is the Lord of heaven. He's the one that came from heaven to earth, lived amongst us, served, and he gave his guts. He gave everything he had out of love for you and me. You know, Jesus would rather go to the cross for us than, than be in heaven without us. He loves us so much that his love and his grace and his goodness to us deserves for him to be first in our lives, above family. That's a big call, isn't it? But what does this mean when Jesus says you must hate I mean, you've got to think about this. Jesus is the guy that talks about loving your enemies and loving people and, you know, we've got to love everyone. And he's, he's, That's the guy that... This same guy, Jesus, said these words. So what does he mean when he says hate? What is this about hating your family? Here's the thing we also know about Jesus. When he was hanging on a cross, what did he do? One of the things he said, he, he saw John, one of his disciples, and he saw his mum there at the cross and he says, behold your son, and son, behold your mum. And what's Jesus doing while he's on the cross? He's caring and loving his mum, knowing that he's now going to die. And, 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 and So Jesus is not saying we, we hate, literally. Here's what Jesus is doing. He's using a teaching tool called hyperbole. Hyperbole is an intentional exaggeration to make a point. Jesus does this often. He does it in the Sermon on the Mount when he's talking about lust. It's better that you pluck out your eye than have lust for someone. It's better that you cut off your hand than you steal from someone. It's hyperbole. Jesus is not literally saying that it should be all these one-eyed Christians walking around the place or, or one-handed people. He's not saying that. What he's saying, he's exaggerating, helping us see how important this point is. And here's the point. We are to love Jesus more than our family. Now, this is a big call. Because isn't family first? Don't we make decisions based on family first? Some some of us some of us do, and this is a real challenge. But here's the thing. As a Jesus follower, I love my dad. My dad turned 92 last week. I love my dad. But my dad's not my CEO, he's not my boss. My mum, I love my mum. But she's not the one that I answer to. I used to. But she's not the one that I ultimately will answer to. I love my wife. I love my wife. But she's not my boss. And I love my daughter. And despite many times she's got me wrapped around this little thing of hers, you know, she's she's not my God. Jesus is my God. And what Jesus says in this passage is he's calling us to what does it mean to love him and what does it mean to love God. So Luke 14, 27 says Jesus goes on. You ready? So here's the next bite-sized bit and this is, this is a tough one. Jesus says, Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Elsewhere Jesus says this, if you want to follow me, deny yourself and take up your cross daily to follow me. Now, people back then knew what that meant. When Jesus says, take up your cross, people knew what that meant. They knew that it didn't mean, oh, I've got a migraine. That's not what taking up your cross means. Taking up your cross does not mean, oh, you've got an ingrown toenail that you just can't get rid of. No. Taking up your cross is not some trial that you go through that's not what jesus meant back then what what it meant when jesus said take up your cross daily they knew the people knew that what taking up your cross meant was a little band of roman soldiers would come to you and say let's go for a walk and they'd give you a cross to carry and you would go somewhere and you would be crucified on that cross and the people knew at that time that they would never see that person again Jesus is not saying that we should disappear off the face of the planet. Here's what Jesus is saying. We are to deny ourselves. We are to surrender our desire to get what we want. That's what taking up the cross means. To take up the cross means that we deny deny ourselves from the desire to constantly get our own way. Now, I don't know about you, but that's challenging for me. Because I want to get what I want. It's my way or the highway. I want to get what I want. But what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus and to love God with all we've got? It means that we deny ourselves. We deny ourselves. And that's a really, really challenging thing to do. Real followers of Jesus love Jesus more than their desires. How are we doing? You're still here. It must be that seatbelt. You know, the, 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 um, here we go, here we go. Let's, um, let's go to the next one. Uh, Luke, Jesus goes on in Luke 14, he says this, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Or So, suppose one of you wants to build a house. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and you're not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying, Ha, this person began to build, they weren't able to finish. Or suppose a king, this is very relevant in our society today. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying when it comes to loving God with all you've got, we need to consider the cost we need to do a cost-benefit analysis. We need, to, we need to consider the risks. We need to actually think about whether we can afford to follow Jesus. But do you know what else Jesus is saying? You also need to consider whether you can afford not to follow Jesus. And when you look at that, you go, <laughs> follow Jesus. <laughs> The rewards are eternal. (laughs) The benefits far outweigh the costs. In Luke 14, 33, Jesus says, In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have can't be my disciples. So here's the thing, the last point of this little passage about loving God is this, real followers of Jesus love Jesus more than their possessions, giving up everything they have. And what that means is this, that everything that you earn... And everything that you own isn't yours. Everything that you earn and everything you own is not yours. It's God's. The psalm says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. In Deuteronomy it says that God is the one who actually gives us the wisdom and the knowledge and the skill to work with our hands to actually earn a living so that all that we earn and all that we own isn't ours, it's God's. And what it it means to love God with everything is to surrender our sense of ownership and recognise that we are simply stewards of what God has entrusted to us. So here's what it means to love God. Put aside our personal agendas for Jesus' agenda. Lay down our desires for his dreams. Put aside our possessions for his purposes. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I'm not saying this is easy. In fact, Jesus said it was a bit like carrying a cross. That's what it's like. Now... The expert in the law didn't hear this explanation of Jesus and that's why Jesus said it a little bit later on. But the expert in the law who asked Jesus and test Jesus, who is my neighbour? Let's have a look at what Jesus says. The guy wants to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbour? And in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and when he was on his way, he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him and went away, left him half dead. A priest, a pastor... Happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other t- side. So too, a Levite, the worship pastor, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by also on the other side. That's what the, that's what the Levite did, help with the services. They grow But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him, and he went to him and bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii. Anyone know how much a denarii is worth? A denarii was one day's wages. So two denarii, two days wages. In the year 2021, the average earnings for a full-time worker in Australia was $90,000 a year, which, equivalents, which equates to if they work 300 days a year, which a lot of full-time workers do, um, at least that it's about $300 a day. So this guy gives the innkeeper $600 in Australian terms. I don't know what the rate for, for staying at a motel was back then, but anyway. Anyway, and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I'll reimburse you for an extra expense that any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Love, that's what it means to love your neighbour. So Jesus tells this story and in this story there are three different types of people. There are also three different um, symbols for life and there are also three legacies. And I want to ask you the question, what is your life symbol when it comes to loving other people? What is the symbol of your love for people and in this story we see three different types of people and here's the first type. The first type we see is cutthroat consumers who create needs. This is the robbers. The robbers saw this guy travelling on the road and said, here's someone I can take from. Here's someone I can consume from. Here's someone that my attitude to that person is, my wants are more important than your needs, I'm going to take from you. That's what his attitude was. My wants are more important, so I'm going to take. What's, what you've got is actually mine and I'm going to take it. That was the attitude of the robbers. And uh, what this is is complete self-centeredness, isn't it? The robber is, is, is just fully self-centered. And what happens here, the life symbol of those who are cutthroat consumers who create needs is one of these. This is the life symbol. The life—it's sim- a club. It's my best best I could do for a club. <laughs> All right. And the person, the robbers, had this attitude. Here's a club. What can I do to beat this guy? And, and so clubs can be used in different ways. Um, uh, who can I beat up? Is the question that he's asked that the cutthroat consumer asks. Who can I beat up physically? Who can I beat up emotionally? Who can I beat up financially? Who can I beat up psychologically? Do you know what, You know one of the greatest forms of domestic violence that's in our, our city? financial abuse, where one partner has all the power over the finances. And, and do you know there's another one? the psychological. Gaslighting. And we could, we could do a whole topic in that space. <laughs> but the cutthroat consumer's life symbol is a club. And the legacy of the club symbol is crushing shoulders. Shoulders that crush others. crushing, Crushing shoulders. The next group of people that we see is conservers of comfort who ignore needs. This is the Levite and the priest. They saw the beaten up man, they saw that he had needs, but they ignored the need. So their attitude was, what's mine is mine, I'll keep it, I'm going to look after what I need. That's their attitude. What's mine is mine, I'll keep it, I'm not going to share it to meet your needs. And the life symbol of Conservers of Comfort is a cushion. This is the life symbol of Conservers of Comfort. Cushion, oh. Oh, comfort, ah. Oh, who cares about what people's needs are, oh, I'm too busy, Ah, oh, I, 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 I don't have enough time and, you know, I've got, I've got jobs, so I've got to get done, why, why should I care, I mean, someone else, it's someone else's responsibility. Conservers of comfort, the cushion. The legacy of those who have the cushion as their life symbol is cold shoulders. Crushing shoulders, cold shoulders. A couple of legacies. And then you get the last one, the compassionate carers who contribute to meet needs. This is the Samaritan. The Samaritan saw the guy had a need and he was moved with compassion. And because he was moved with compassion, he made a choice. And his attitude was this, what's mine isn't mine, it's actually God's. What's mine isn't mine, it's actually God's and because of that I'm going to share what I have. God has trusted me with earnings and God has trusted me with assets and so God has trusted me and so I'm going to use them to be a blessing to those in need. So the life symbol of the... And so here's his attitude. The life symbol, that was his attitude, and here's the life symbol. The life symbol of the compassionate carer who contributes to meet the needs of others is a cross. This is the life symbol. And so the good Samaritan, when he wakes up every morning, this is his attitude. The Levite and the priest, when they wake up every morning, they're living according to the cushion. And the robbers, when they wake up every morning, they're living according to the club. And what Jesus is calling this expert in the law to do is to live a life like this. Now, it's not often you see people holding up a cross in church and I'm not going to go... to you, But that's not what this is about. But what I want to invite you to is what Jesus calls us to in loving God first and in loving people, it is about the cross. So the first thing we think about when we wake up in the morning is not to reach for the phone, but to reach in our hearts for the cross. And to say, Jesus, today is a day that I choose daily to take up my cross. I'm going to deny my desire to get my own way. I'm going to do what you would do today, Jesus. I'm going to live a life of love for God and for others. That's the call that Jesus has about love. And so, this is challenging, isn't it? But I... I, today love love is not a gushy emotion it's not a gushy feeling love is commitment it's genuine it's a choice and so that's the message for us today so question what is your life symbol and if your symbol has been the club I invite you to turn from the club and let it turn into a cross And if it has been the cushion, I invite you, Jesus calls you and says, No more cushion hugging. Jesus calls us to take up the cross. And he has every right to do that. And he does so because of his love for us. And he does so because he said, Greater love has no one than this, than a person lay down his life for his friends. And what did Jesus do? He treated us as his friends. He lay down his life for you and me. We're going to share in communion now. This is something we do every week. We take the bread and the juice and the reason we do this is because Jesus asked us to and it's an opportunity for us to look back to the cross, to what Jesus has done. It's an opportunity for us to look within at our sin and confess that sin. It's an opportunity for us to to look around us and recognize that we are part of a family, we're part of a body, but it's also an opportunity for us to look ahead because one day Jesus said, "You're you're going to share this communion with me in heaven and so if you have your communion now i want to just pray a prayer a prayer of commitment and dedication and uh and 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 look today after during this song i'm going to just stand at the back and if anyone would like prayer or you want to just come and have a quick chat about something i'd be happy to pray with you because taking up your cross is not easy But it's the call of Jesus and I I pray that God is working in your heart and he's speaking to you and he's doing something in your heart and life that calls you to be more like Jesus in your love. Let's pray and then we're going to share in communion. Lord Jesus, love has got everything to do with it. And you will always love us. We thank you for your love and your compassion and your kindness and that you would speak the truth so clearly in the Gospels for us to hear what it means to be genuine in our love, in our commitment to you, God, and in our commitment to loving others. Jesus, you are the one who loves our soul. You care for us and yet you call us to carry our cross to thyself. And follow you. We thank you, Jesus, that you are for us. You're with us. And we thank you that ultimately you gave your life on the cross for our sakes, for our sin, to rescue us, to bring us to heaven, to give us joy and hope, to, to, to renew our hearts, to change our lives, to transform the world. And Lord, as we take this bread now and drink this cup, we choose to remember you and thank you for all you've done. Who you are. And we do look forward, Jesus, to one day meeting you face to face in heaven. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.